This is Slade Heath Guy, and you're listening to the Mike Sappho Podcast. Boxberger deals. Fly ball, left field, deep, going back, guy. Still back, turning, looking. See ya! A big three-run home run for Slade Heathcott. A huge ninth inning for the Yankees as they take a 4-1 lead. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Mike Sappho Podcast. Broadcasting today, not from Jack Dempsey's, not even from New York City, from Lexington, Kentucky. Thank you to Hunter and Dick Gabriel for helping me out. Hey, Slade, you there? I am. Are you able to hear me? Uh, yeah. Guy, finally, we're connected. It's been like two months in the making. Yeah, life gets crazy sometimes, but I'm glad we're able to do it. Listen, I know you just got finished with a range-shortened doubleheader, man, so I really, really, really appreciate you pulling in. Oh, no problem at all. Enjoy. All right, so let me tell the backstory now how you and I got connected. Like all two right. months ago, a guy on Twitter, uh, his parody account is back after this. It's the Mike Francesa parody account. He puts out this video of Francesa talking about you, and Francesa's fumbling through the whole, like the whole convo, calling you Heath Slaycott, stumbling through your name. And right when I see it, I'm like, oh, God, I got to see what happened to the Yankee first-round draft pick. You commented on the picture. You, uh, you like the video. Are you familiar with Francesa? I actually do not know, I, but I do remember the uh, video. Oh, you, so, listen, you don't know who Mike Francesa is? Uh, not that I know of, unless I'm completely Oh, he, He's like the biggest New York's, probably the big. they did an ESPN 30 for 30 farm, Slade. I got you. Yeah, I am not much of a uh, TV person, and I don't keep up with... Uh, the game outside of playing it, to be honest with you. So you're not a sports talk? So I always get mad when athletes tell me they don't listen to sports talk. And I know it's true. You just don't listen to it ever? I don't, you know. Someone, I mean, I imagine one of these days I will. But when, you know, not to be a cop-out, but when you're doing it all day long and you're at the field all day long, sometimes, you know, I mean, I guess in the clubhouses and stuff like that, I'll hear stuff on ESPN and stuff, the TV's on. But in general, just sitting down and watching, that's just... It's just not what I do. And honestly, with school and doing a lot of stuff, I honestly am not a TV person. Um, I'm either outside or doing something normally that I'm not around electronics a whole lot. Uh, with the world the way it's getting, I've definitely been trying to get back into Instagram and things like that. And, um, you know, just because I believe there's a lot of benefits in doing so. But um, that all is very new to me. Yeah, speaking about Instagram, you've been posting a lot about yoga and stuff. When did you get into that? I've been in yoga for a while. Probably um, I got into it in 2015, and then I got more into it in 16 and 17. Um, I really monitored or was careful with what I was doing, though. Um, and now, with with my knee injury the way it was, but now, I mean, I have zero limitations. So I've really started been getting into it lately, uh, more into the yoga side of it, not just the flow, which I was doing. And, you know, I, just, it, I started it in a meditation side of it. Just my, where my head is and brain is always going, going, going. So meditation is the way that I started getting into the yoga side of it. And it just really helps me center and ground myself. So that's kind of why I've gotten into it. Now, you brought up your knee injury, and that was like the biggest storyline why you with the Yankees I want to take you back to draft day you were first round draft pick and I don't want to ask the generic question like how does it feel to get drafted take me through <laughs> that moment I don't know this, if you know this late I was never drafted whatever I think it's a bunch of bull crap but anyway who calls you how, how does that call happen where are you when that whole thing happens 
Uh, I was actually in the state playoffs with my high school team. Um, we had just we had practiced at Baylor. Um, we had literally just gotten to the Rock. Um, our we played our state championship game at the uh, Round Rock Field there, the Triple A, um, with the Rangers, I believe now. Um, so we had just gotten into the hotel, and I believe Damon Oppenheimer called me moments before it was on TV. Um, Tell me that they were going to draft me. Um, you know, in in high school, I from my junior, year, I was on my own, uh, and I don't say that. No, you know, I, I have people. I share my story quite a bit, just because I believe that we we go through things and we experience things, we make choices, and we got to make them count for as much as possible. So if if I can share my story and another kid in high school or whatever it might be, an adult, whoever it might be, can learn anything or see a different side of something and, and help them out, that's that's what my life is about. So, um, you know, Damon Collins said they are going to draft me, and it was just, I don't think it really set in at that moment. Um, I was actually, we were, I think we were huddled around a TV. I think the entire team was in one room, and maybe a couple minutes before I got a call and I walked out of the room. Um, and obviously I knew, so I kind of kept it quiet and then walked in and then they announced on TV. So that, it was a really awesome moment. My, uh, the team was my family, um, back then. And I was very fortunate to have people around Tetracana that were, um, very supportive and helped me get through a lot of things and took me in at times and things like that. But, you know, a lot of my junior and I shouldn't say a lot. There, there was times where I, you know, I would sleep at the baseball field in my truck and things like that, and that was just a comfort zone for me. Um, you know, I look back now, and I'm so thankful for it because it, I, I truly believe that every decision I've had and made in life has really been um, has had a purpose later in life, and I've been really fortunate to that. So, like I said, that, that was my family at the time, and, you know, still very close with several of the guys and things like that. So it was really awesome with them. Now, Slade, I actually wasn't even going to bring up your story. It is inspirational. It is touching. Do you mind touching on it a little bit since you brought it up? Do you mind giving a, a little brief why you slept at the baseball field, why your team was not just your team, but also your family? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm an open book with this stuff. Um, you know, I, I truly believe that everything I experienced in life um, with my family and um, parents made me the father I am today, and I truly believe that. So, um, yeah, that's no problem at all. I, um, uh, my my junior, my sophomore year, um, my dad was already in jail, so we had moved to Tuscaloosa. The end of my eighth grade year, from Oklahoma, got to the Tuscaloosa area sometime around my freshman year. Um, dad started not showing up and not really knowing what was going on, and then get a call one day that he was arrested for uh, trafficking. Things like that. That was the first time I believe he went to jail, and um, you know things kind of went downhill from there. So my mom asked for a divorce, and you know we had to move. I think we moved like four or five times in a matter of two or three years. Just once he got out, he would show up, and he would have somebody with him that he owed money to, and he was trying to break in and things like that. So you know, I think back in 2010, I did a report with a guy in. Charleston, and, you know, some of it kind of got skewed, and then you kind of look online, and you can see, you know, I held a shotgun to my father's deal, and the drinking, and all that, and kind of skewed, so, but the, um, sorry about the noise, guys. Oh, no worries. So, 
Yeah, he started not showing up. Um, got really bad into drugs. We had to keep moving. Mom got restraining orders, and I left my sophomore summer going to junior year to go play for D-Bat in Dallas. Um, and my relationship with my parents was never great. They were always fighting. Um, you know, my relationship with my mother is a lot better now, but in high school, and it's both of our faults. But she ended up getting married to a guy in Louisiana. And, you know, when I came back, nobody was at the house that we were living in. So at that time, I think that was the first time there. I just, you know, the place for me was to go to the field. That was my comfort zone. Um, baseball was all I really had at that point. And that's, so we, so started living at the field, stayed with a couple of people or friends like that along the way. And, you know, the, the night that they talk about holding a shotgun. So my father had showed up. This was in my junior year. Um, and this is probably the fourth or fifth time that this has happened. And kind of got into, uh, you know, some fights with him, times where I didn't really have a choice. But mom came into my room at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. It was like just at the, just at the garage door, and he has somebody with him. So I, got, I had a 20-gauge because this is third or fourth time this had happened, so I had um, always kept a shotgun there. So I got the shotgun and went over to where she was. I, I told her to get in the closet. And luckily, my little brother was in California at the time. We were trying to keep him away from a lot of the exposure to this. But, you know, he had somebody with him, and he was like, I've got to get in. And, it was, and he went around to the back door, and it was a, kind of a glass door. And he was like, I've got to get in, blah, blah, blah. And it was the first time I had looked at him really in the eyes, and I had no idea who he was. Um, and I just told him, I was like, hey, if, if you if you continue to get in this door or you break the window or whatever it might be, I'm going to have no choice but to defend us. Um, so he had gotten kind of bad in that sense, things like that. So, you know, just staying with people. And, and like I said, I honestly enjoyed in the field. It was kind of like my escape from everything and just kind of where I went to clear my head and talk, things like that. Damn it, Slade. You see, now you, I wanted to have this fun interview. You bring that inspirational touch. Dude, that's a tough story, man. Have ah, you- there's a lot of people that have a lot of tougher. Uh, I'm honestly very thankful for it. It made me who I am today. And honestly, it took me 25 years to really dig down deep and get under the surface of all this. And you know, obviously, it affected me. Um, it influenced who I was and things like that. But like I said, um, you know, right after I, I got divorced in 2015, it just wasn't a good situation. And, um, you know, I, I swore I wouldn't raise my son in a household like I had grown up where there was a lot of verbal and physical abuse in terms of just parents fighting against each other and things like that. And, you know, I just... It just wasn't a good situation, and not, you know, I didn't think my son was young enough, and I made the decision that, you know, it would be better for him to have, or it would be better to do it at that point, and and not try to fight through things and all that. So now looking back, it's great, but you know, I say one of the best things that happened to me besides my son is really the divorce, and it really, really made me stop and dig down deep of who I really am, who I want to be. And I think it was the first time in my life that I could really look in the mirror and really be happy with who I saw. Um, I had a lot of insecurities and things like that. Um, you know, you, you hear back in 
right after I got drafted, you know, I was into drinking, things like that. And that's just what we did in high school in Texas Canada. If there wasn't anything else to do, we'd go hang out and drink and things like that. And then got to Tampa where the scale's a lot bigger. And, you know, I think I slept through two or three games in the first, uh, first spring training. Um, I was being a bouncer in Tampa. So a lot of decisions I'd, that I made, I now look back and I'm like, man, what was I doing? But I'm, I'm also very thankful for him because it's, it's over time. And now looking back, it made me who I am today. And like I said, and then I believe the greatest thing in our life is love. And you can't truly love anyone unless you love yourself. So without all those decisions, I wouldn't be where I am today. And I am honestly very happy with where I am today. And Slade, you really touched a, a point with me. My father came from an extremely abusive household. His father was an alcoholic, beat all of them, beat his mother, which was my grandmother. And when my father had us, he made it a point to break the cycle. And he, he preached it to us, like breaking the cycle. And he's an amazing father because of that cycle thing. And you did the same exact thing. You made sure your son wouldn't grow up in the environment, man. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, and I, I don't ever blame anybody. I, I, I try not to blame people, and I, you know, I stay away from right and wrongs and things like that. But, you know, it just I wasn't the man I needed to be, and it took that whole situation to to do that. And I think, without a doubt, now it's a way better situation for my son. And you know, it, it's now he's at the age of just over three years old, and everything's kind of calmed down. Everybody gets along, and I just truly believe it was a it was a better situation to be in. So now you go in there now, sleeping at the field, not a great father figure. You sign a nice deal with the Yankees. First big purchase you make and the dumbest purchase you make. <laughs> well, it might be the same one. <laughs> and what is that? I, I bought an F-250 and did everything I possibly could to it. Um, you know, not having money growing up, that was the one thing in Texarkana. Everybody had nice vehicles and lifted vehicles and things like that, and so first thing I wanted, so uh, I bought a big F-250, flat black, 10-inch, 40-inch by 1550 Toyos, and I uh, did everything I possibly could to it. So I think that was probably my first purchase and my dumbest purchase. <laughs> While you're with the Yankees, you're in the minors, and injury after injury. And obviously, oh, was it frustrating? Obviously, you're frustrated. The fans, we wanted you so bad up here. Dealing with that, do you ever just sit back and be like, I'm taking the L, I can't keep doing this? You get, you're injured all the time. Did you ever think about just giving it up? You know, now looking back, I'm very thankful because every single injury, I think, was a stepping stone that God gave me to separate myself from the game. Um, in terms of ha- being more than baseball, I was always defined by baseball, and I didn't have anything else besides that. And I think each injury got me closer and closer to where I realized there's something more than baseball. And I still loved it and, and still love it to this day. And, you know, the injuries I could get into and things like that. And, you know, the bad blood between the Yankees, things like that, you know. And, you know, that's something I've contemplated. And maybe one of these days I will get more into in the story because kind of why I'm more outspoken about minor league stuff now and not something I had planned on doing yet, but something I've always had a passion for just because, you know, the things that I, I got lied to about my report, I got a, a surgery that I didn't consent to and was lied to about the surgery, didn't find out until 15 or 16 weeks after my surgery that, and then come to find out they knew a whole time that there was something else going on and they failed to tell me that. So, you know, going from there, and then I had my first shoulder surgery and got 
the head trainer at the time for the minor league side, you know, word for word told me to keep my mouth shut and get back out there when I told him I wasn't ready to go. And then first, you know, first throw of the season, I'm having to have a second shoulder surgery. So, you know, it was very agitating. And now looking back, it still is. But I am very thankful because I don't, I don't think with any of those injuries, I wouldn't have my son today. And, and I, you know, I wouldn't have the outlook I have and, and things like that because we can't really always control what happens to us. Um, you know, we can't control the cards that are dealt, but we can for sure play the best hand we can. So, you know, all over the world we have people, whether it's single mothers or or single dads, whatever it might be, or soldiers that are overseas and, you know, missing out on all this. It's not necessarily the best situation, but they make the best situation out of it and they do what they need to do. Um, you know, it's something why I've always been very big on playing hard and, you know, that was always fans and you know you read on like the reason I kept getting hurt was because I played all out well I didn't have an injury in a baseball game until I tore my quad when I was actually in New York which was from my my second surgery on my knee that I had now okay your so all yeah I was saying your hard work paid off because in 2015 you the journey's over you finally make it to the show after all yeah, that, I mean that was a that was a crazy off season. Uh, November twenty fourth of fourteen, Doctor Andrews told me I'd never play again, um, and I I said I, I don't believe that. Um, and I got with a guy in Orlando, Chuck Wolf, and four weeks after getting with him, I looked at him, and it was like that moment I realized that like, I'm not done yet. Um, so yeah, I mean it was awesome. You lived every kid's dream. You walk into the locker room, 2015, and sitting there is A-Rod, Beltran, Teixeira's, icons of the game. Did you fanboy out when you walked in there? Be honest with me, Slade. Oh, I mean, shoot. When, when I got the call, I mean, I try, and I still get, I can still get emotional about it now just because, you know, it was, it, it is every kid's dream, and it was my dream, and. Um, at one point, it was the only thing that I had in my mind of what I wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, obviously, my debut was the day before I played center field at Yankee Stadium. But to me, my, my debut will always be taking center field for the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Um, that's, there's not many, many words to describe that situation. It's the most coveted piece of real estate in New York. That's what they say. Center field at Yankee Stadium. The hollowed grounds. Hey, let me ask you this, Slade. You walk in the locker room. You see A-Rod sitting there. Now you go up to him. What do you say, Mr. Rodriguez? I'm, I'm curious about Because when I meet him, and maybe, maybe I'll get the call one day, how do you go up and approach these guys when you walk in the locker room? Well, I mean, luckily I had already spent quite a bit of time around them and spring training and stuff. So I knew most of the guys. And I will say this, unbelievable clubhouse that year. Um, you know, I think Alex has a lot of bad reputations, and I think it's a lot of the time um, it's misunderstanding, to be honest with you. And he, he did go through a huge transformation in, in 14 and or the 13 offseason, 14. Um, but, I mean, he was a guy that would call when I was up or whatever and hang out take us out to dinner and talk or we'd be at the field and you know we'd be going over uh, video or things like that and he's all he, him built i mean across the board Gardy, beltron alex all those guys made themselves readily available to everyone and they wanted 
they wanted to help. And I think, I think Alex is highly um, misunderstood in that, in that aspect. I think this morning or last night, I knew I was going to have you on, finally. We, um, you hit that three-run home run off Tampa Bay. Was A-Rod the one who took your helmet off? I think that when you hit the yeah. – Yeah, yeah. You hit the home run, you're coming to home plate, and A-Rod runs over and takes your helmet off. That's just an amazing yeah. moment. Like, that's your welcome to the big leads moment, obviously, right? Yeah, that was – yeah, I mean, that's hard to beat. They were, when I rounded second and could see the dugout, that made that situation exponentially greater. Um, seeing how hype everybody was and how excited they were and they come across. I mean, that's why I played baseball as a kid. That's every situation I ever dreamed of. Um, and for that to be the case, it was truly uh, an unbelievable moment. You're also involved in one of the most underappreciated bench-clearing brawls ever against the Red Sox. Did I lose you there? Sorry. No, I said you're also involved in one of the most underappreciated bench-clearing brawls ever against the Red Sox. <laughs> Who, who'd you hit first there? Because you got hit. And what, what, did you turn around and punch the catcher? Yeah, so it's a long story. I actually did it to stop. There was the catcher, uh, Vasquez, who's I believe still with the Red Sox, um, you know, he got into it with our pitcher, Nick Turley. Nick Turley hit him with like a 76-mile-an-hour curveball, and Vasquez at that time had that reputation, whatever. Got picked off, didn't say anything, crossed him. This was like two weeks before this. Didn't say anything, then gets to the dugout and literally had to call time and get him in the dugout because he was mouthing and yelling, whatever. I wasn't even a part of it at that time. And then the next inning, like, bloop, single, I'm on third, one out, and Vasquez doesn't move off the plate. And I'm like, what the hell? I'm like, dude, what's your problem? And he's like, I'm going to have you hit. I was like, okay. So I get up my next day being nothing or whatever. We go to Greenville like two weeks later, and I'm walking out of the clubhouse. And he's like, today's the day. I said, look, if you hit me, I'm not leaving home plate. (laughs) Um, And, you know, he was throwing baseballs at Nick Turley's. and just being very childish at that point. And it was just like one of those things, like if, if I knew that if they hit me, then we would retaliate and hit somebody else. And I, 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 people get mad at this comment, but I'd rather there be brawls than guys get hit. Mm-hmm. The way guys, how hard guys throw nowadays, you're going to get way more injuries from somebody getting hit than you are from a, a brawl. But, you know, and sure enough, first pitch is like a show-me pitch. And he stood up and he threw it back and he goes, get ready. I said, okay. So that's kind of the story of what happened. And they hit me up on my shoulder at 99 and I just turned around and, and I was trying to get his mask off. And I think he hit me and then I hit him and then everything else was just kind of a border. <laughs> that's a great video. I did, when, uh, maybe like a month or two ago, you know what? I want to talk about that right now. Around two months ago, we agreed to do the podcast. I set everything up and you're about to call. And... You text me like, bro, I hate to do this. I just got cut. Who tells you you're cut? And do you think that was involved with all the minor Because you've been very vocal about the minor league pay and have, conditions. Yeah, I mean, for, for anyone to say that minor leaguers are treated fairly is absolute BS to me. I'm sorry. Like, it's anybody that knows what actually happens, and, and nobody really understands unless you're in it, but it's, it's against the law in every aspect. But, yeah, you know, I got kind of worn through the grapevine and 
and things like that. And I, I, I told him, I was like, I'm not, I'm not backing down off of it. Um, you know, nobody ever really knows. Do I think so? Yes. Do a lot of people think that that's the reason? No question. But can I say without a doubt, I have no idea. Maybe they weren't happy with who I was as a player. I don't know. Um, but it is what it is. And if that's the reason I was let go, I'm completely okay with that. You tweeted that minor league pay, basically after a room and board, players are making under five, uh, $5 a day. How is that? And that's on, it's yeah. 435 And that is if you only say that we're at the field 40 hours a week. And I did that, and we did that as a number because it's kind of hard to say there's a lot of jobs that work more than 40 hours and don't get paid. So if you say we're only at the field for 40 hours, and I think we went through, and I think it's on average about 75 hours is what we're at the field a week. Um, it's about 435 an hour. And, okay, but then we're paying for house, our housing. We're paying for clubhouse dues, which are $13 a day. Um, you know, we go on the road and our per diem is $22. Well, $22 doesn't buy anything, especially if you're trying to if you're trying to get halfway decent food. So your first five years, I think my first year in Charleston, I made $6,600. And I don't think, I think actually with the new deal, it's actually been suppressed some. So I think minor league baseball players, their first five years is somewhere between $6,500 and $12,000. So it's, and that's the entire year. It's, and you're talking about, go ahead. No, I'm saying it's almost impossible then to raise a wife and kid or something. And if you, it's impossible. Yeah, how does that? How does that even work? And does that deter a lot of players? Like there might be some studs. Like I can't even do this. I can't raise my. I have to choose now, uh, family man, or I'm out of the game. No question. I've I've seen many many players that are good enough to be in the big leagues and never get a chance because they tr- just didn't have the money to be able to do that lifestyle. Because then you're getting a job in the off season and it's a part time job. You're, you're probably making $10 an hour. And, you know, and I hear, like, fans come up and, and tweet back to me saying, oh, well, you know what, that's what you get for a chance of a lifetime. And I'm like, that's got to be a bitter person. That has to be because nobody, if, if the roles were switched, nobody would agree to that. You're talking about NBA G League makes $34,000. NFL practice squads at ninety, And you're telling me minor league baseball players, $6,600 is just? It's not. And they're paying for everything. They're paying for their training in the offseason. They're paying for equipment. They're, they're doing all these things. You're, you're paying to play baseball. Okay, now let's say this. What needs to be done? Does there need to be a movement? Is there a movement? Would you guys need like a stud player to come out and be like, hey, we need to do something about this. It's, it's killing people's lives. I mean, bottom line, we need, we need a group set up we need we need big name guys that are willing to say it and you you doing it you didn't have a lot of backing or did you have some backing eh, i'm gonna leave that up in the air right now and we'll see what happens in the next year or so i'll just say that fair okay so let's move up to now you get caught by the nashville sounds and you now you're in sugarland sugarland texas right now you were it's always horror stories all you hear about is the horrible bus rides this and that you're in texas but now most of the games are in the Northeast. How horrible is traveling now? Uh, it's about the same, honestly. We flew up the other day. We left the stadium at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, got to the airport early. Now we, we just finished up, and we're having a six-hour bus ride up to uh, New Britain. So it's really the same as the minor leagues. Here's what um, you know, 
No, go ahead. I'm sorry to cut you off. Oh, I was like, like with the Yankees and stuff, and and it gets nice, like especially when you get the AAA. There's two nice sleeper buses, but you're talking about sixteen, seventeen, eighteen hour bus trips. Here's what bothered me, Slade. You get cut by the Nashville Sounds, and I went on the website, and a few nights earlier, they had the Slade Runner t-shirt night. Is that bittersweet? Yep. Did, did you keep the shirt? I did. Okay, good, good, because that's kind of a kick-ass promotion. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, now you're going back to school. What is that? Are you going back to school, or you're in school? What, what are you I've doing? Been, yeah, I've been going to school. Um, you know, after my son was, and I've been taking one class at a time, and I'm getting to a point now, like, I'm trying to decide if baseball is really what I want to keep doing. I know the realistic, especially if that was the reason I got released, especially since I haven't gotten any offers whatsoever from affiliated ball. So that kind of makes me think that that was the reason that it all released. So me playing doesn't do any good. Um, you know, a lot of guys get blacklisted in this game, and it's kind of known across baseball. Um, you just kind of see it all the time. Um, and there's hundreds of stories of it and things like that. So it's just like one of those things that I love the game of baseball, but uh, I don't. I don't need the game of baseball. Um, you know, I, I, it sucks because I know that I could play at the big league level and still would be able to. But you know, I have a son to think about. I have, uh, you know, I'm 27, about to be 28, and it's one of those things. I know exactly what I want to do when I'm done. So, um, you know, that's kind of what I'm doing here. Just trying to decide what I'm going to do if if this is still what I want to do and play baseball, or if I want to turn the chapter and get on with the next chapter of my life. Now, it's 10 p.m. Sunday night. I know you just had two games. You were at the ballpark for the entire day. So I'm going to take you up for a couple more minutes. I want to hit you with a few quick questions. Sound good? Anytime, brother. you got all the time you need. Best baseball movie of all time? Uh, 61. Really? Better than Major League? No question. No question. Really? Wait, well, why do you like it so much? Is it the Yankee outfielder thing? What was it about? Uh, actually, growing up, I, I grew up in Pryor, Oklahoma, so Commerce, Oklahoma. Um, any Yankee buffs out there will know that there was a great Yankee player that came from Commerce, Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I think I heard uh, of that guy. <laughs> so, Mickey Mantle. And growing up watching it, like hearing about him and that whole thing, it was awesome to uh, and see that. So that was Mickey Mantle was one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, obviously, I didn't get to see him play. I wish I would have. Um, but just hearing about him, hearing his story, and and kind of the player he was, that that was my favorite movie growing up. Okay, how about this one? You and I are out. We're hanging out. You want to impress everyone when we're out. Who's the coolest cat in your phone? That if you texted them, they would text you right back. Ooh. Man, my, my definition of cool and other people's definition <laughs> of cool might be totally different. Okay, how about the cool that will, will impress somebody that cool? Oof. That's a tough one. I'm not letting you go I, to sleep. I, I mean, my, <laughs> I, I, I was never a Jeter fan growing up, ever. Uh, I, even when I, when I get, first got to the Yankees, just didn't know anything about them, really. I didn't watch a lot of baseball. And I'll tell you right now, after being next to him in spring training and seeing how he went about things, Jeter is by far my favorite player in the game of baseball, and I think he's one of the greatest players in the baseball. If you talk about New York and everything that he did and who he was and how consistent he was. So, I mean, if we're talking on terms of baseball, it would definitely be Jeter. And you have his phone number? I do. 
Damn it, that's a really good answer. All right. Any memorabilia you kept during your playing days? I, I'm not a huge memorabilia guy, but I will tell you I have, I have three signed jerseys that I really, really like. I have a home Jeter jersey, a home Mariano jersey on his last night that he pitched, and I have a Josh Hamilton Wow. Signed jersey. Reds? Those are the three Reds memorabilia I have, and that's the only memorabilia I have. Slade, Reds jersey or Rangers jersey or Angels for Josh? It was Rangers. Oh, that's nice. Okay. Well, that kind of goes to my nev- next question. Did you ever ask another player for an autograph? And obviously, those are the three? Those are the three. And actually, I, I asked. Uh, so when I was getting in trouble, Ron Dock with the Yankees actually put me in contact with Josh Hamilton. So... Uh, when I was getting into trouble and making the decision I was making, uh, Josh actually called me up one day and kind of had a discussion, had a couple phone calls between us about just life and things like that. So I actually got it through somebody but asked him, but I wasn't in present when he got it so or when I actually got it. But the other two I were. So, yeah, those are the only two people I've ever asked for their signature. Worst or shall I say silliest minor league promotion you've ever seen? Oh. Man, there's been some uh, there's been some good ones. Uh, in terms of like promotion on the field, yes, yes. Oh man, I mean, I saw one couple nights or couple nights ago. I guess it's not minor league, but any ball, and it was hard boiled egg cracking on your head. <laughs> <laughs> where, like, where, where was that? Where was that? <laughs> uh, I must. I think it was actually in York. <laughs> Wait, in in Texas, you guys had bad ones. Uh, no, they actually do a pretty good job in Sugarland. Uh, you know, you always have the uh, sumo guys or blow-up balls where they run into each other and things like that. So, you know, it just depends on the crowd and things like that. But, you know, there's been a lot of minor league games that I go to, and I think families and kids enjoy minor league games more than big league games, to be honest with you. Oh, the minor league games out here in New York are incredible. Listen, obviously I go yeah. to a ton of Yankees and Mets games, but going to the Brooklyn Cyclone games, the Staten Island Yankee games, even going down to Trenton and stuff, the atmosphere there, the family, they just they actually care about the fans there, so it's really special. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I you know, I think Major League Baseball would get a good lesson from that, you know. It, 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 Major League Baseball is trying to do everything possible to get fans of the game and they think it's a three-minute difference is what's making people not come to games. Let me actually ask you this. I'm sorry, no. I'm, go back to the minor league thing. Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, you have fans, like, people, and I tell players that all the time. We've talked about it. Like, if anybody doesn't realize what we're doing is entertainment, then they need to wake up. <laughs> and, you know, you, you, you see guys talk about bat flips and celebration and all that. Well, I think there's a right and wrong way to go about it, but that's what people like. That's what fans like. And, and I think I think as long as as baseball is stuck in the stone ages of everybody getting mad about that, and and obviously there's a right and wrong way to go about it, no question. But at the same time, like it, if you strike me out in a situation, I'm not going to get mad. You strike me out, do whatever you want. If I hit a homer, I'm going to do whatever I want. And it should be like that. It should be a respect. There's a lot of respect between players in the game. Um, and I think over time you'll start seeing it. And, you know, I think that's kind of Harper's big deal is people people love him or they hate him. They hate him because of who he is. Well, 
He has fun, and people love it. I mean, look, look at the home run derby. So, Slate, I have to listen. This is how ironic. I'm in the studio down here in Kentucky taping this. I was getting ready to watch the Yankees and Mets. That game's canceled. And on ESPN right now is Bryce Harper, home run derby, three minutes and 25 seconds into it. And that leads me to my final question, because I love the way Bryce plays. I like that he's, he wears the stars and stripes. He interacts with everybody. He's a face. He's, he's out there. One player right now that you would pay to watch. I would say I'll, I'll try to keep my bias out of it. Okay. Uh, you know, one of my best friends is Shane Green, so that would be who I would choose. Um, and Harper's a lot of fun to watch. I mean, I don't dislike how he plays the game. I don't think he does anything. I think he's misunderstood a lot because he has a lot of passion. Um, so, you know, it, it might be Harper. Is Slade Heathcott having fun playing baseball still? At times, yes. Oh, that bothers me. I want you to always have fun having it. I know. And, it, and it's not that I don't have fun. Um, I love the game of baseball. Uh, it's, I, I'm big on time. And, you know, I do have my son now. And, you know, I, there's a lot of things that I want to do in life that I have aspirations to do that are very important to me. You know, I want to open an orphanage. Um, and, you know, getting paid what I'm doing now. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Um, so I can't say that I'm not having fun. It's just I I see a bigger picture and something that I really want to do. And like I said, I, I I'll be done with school in two years, and I'm planning on starting my ATP this off season, which will be my airline um, certificate. And I've had my pilot's license since 2011. So yes, I, I still love playing the game. I love hitting. I, I love going out in the field and and being behind the guys. But it's just one of those times that. I've got to figure out if if it's what I'm still supposed to do or if it's time for me to turn the page and get on and get with what's really important in my life, and that's my son. And, you know, that's the aspirations of an orphanage and things like that. After saying that, how do I even continue with any more of the silly questions? You've overcame a ton of obstacles from injuries, drinking, and everything, and you're an inspiration on so many levels, and I, ho- I hope you know that. I, I I think my story has a lot of points that can maybe open the eyes to a lot of people, and it is something that I'm very passionate about, and I love to share my story, and what I do a lot of times is share my story, and, um, you know, it, it's not for the ups or downs or the floating or whatever it might be. A lot of times I get told you earlier, like, people, like, Oh, I'm so sorry when they hear about it. I'm like, I don't want your sorries because I'm not sorry about it. I truly believe that I can look back in life and look and see that everything and everything that I went through had a purpose. Um, and it's something I'm very passionate about. It's something I plan on doing. And um, speaking is definitely in my future of things I want to do. Thank you so much for calling in, man. This was a blast for me to finally talk to you. I've been following your career forever. And you know what blows my mind? You're only 27 still. I know. You know you crazy, grow, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because you grew up in the organization, and I'm like, oh, my God, how old? Slade's only 27. Dude, that blew my mind. I'm like, because, you know, you've been hearing about your name forever, and that's what happens. These players grow old in our minds, but yet, dude, you have your, beyond your whole life ahead of you. No question. Um, you know, like I said, that's the tough part, because I want to keep going, and 
I want to keep fighting. And obviously, if I didn't have my son, I, I wouldn't have an issue against it whatsoever. Um, but it's just one of those things that, you know, obviously numbers, and I haven't put up the best minor league numbers, and I truly believe, and I've always said this, it is way more conducive to hitting the big leagues. Um, it's, it's more of an atmosphere for me. Uh, my personality can definitely be misunderstood at times from on the minor league side of things just because that's how baseball is. They try to tell you nonstop on the minor league side, this is how the big league is, this is how it is, this is how it is, and you get there, and it's nowhere close to what they say it is. Um, so it's just one of those things that, you know, numbers can only do so much, and a lot of this game is being at the right place at the right time. You're, you're a great ball player and a better dad, and for you to call in, man, I, I, I can't thank you enough, Slade. My friend, thank you so much for calling in, man. Anytime. Let me know anything I can do. I'll keep in touch, brother. Thank you. All right, bye.